This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Remind you, I'm going to review a little bit. The last I talked with you, we were talking about how violating authority affects lives. And I wanted to get across to you and remind you that what we're talking about is we're talking about God's house. We're talking about God's house. And remember, as we were introduced to the house of God, we were introduced to his order and his alignment. And so in this order and this alignment, we said that there's relationship, there's fellowship, and there's authority. Meaning we relate to God as children to a father. And then that's relationship. That's the relationship I'm talking about. And then we relate to God in fellowship. And it takes teaching to understand fellowship, especially fellowship with God. But if you can, if you could receive it, you can go back and study it. Not only are you children, but you're, dear, you're supposed to be dear children. Amen. Again, you have to go back and study that. I know some of them, what does that mean? No, you can't just be children. You're supposed to be dear children. And you know, and, and the closer you walk with him, the dearer you are. Amen. Now, not only, and we talk about it, you know, we rejoice in the idea that God is our father. And we rejoice in the idea that he's our friend. We don't often rejoice in that he also has authority. But all three of those make up his house. And it's important. Let me see. This was in my, in my heart this week. You know, one of the things that has just been reverberating in my mind is when the children of Israel fought their first battle when they were in the wilderness. They fought their first battle against the Amalekites. And they fought it at Rephidim. Yeah, excuse me, that's my Texan way of saying whatever that word is properly pronounced, but they, they fought at Rephidim. And if you remember that, or if you're familiar with that, this is the battle where the children of Israel and the Amalekites were in the valley. But Moses was on the mountain. He was up top. And as the record goes, he had the rod of God. And as long as he held up the rod of God, the children of Israel, God's people, prevailed. When he grew tired and the rod came down, it would not prevail. So we've got to keep that rod up. And I'm convinced that that rod is the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and to that, we have to have revelation about Jesus Christ. <laughs> Let me share with you some of the revelation of Jesus Christ. I hear Jesus say, this is part of the revelation. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly. And you will find rest for your souls. So I, 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 and I can throw this, out this question and I know it hits somebody. Are you heavy laden? Do you have a difficulty? Or have you come across a difficulty in your life that seems to press you so much that you almost wonder, can I make it? Yeah, you know God is faithful. But yes, can I make it? That's heavy laden. And now what we say is, take it to Jesus. 
Because he said, come to me, all you that are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. So take it to Jesus, and he'll give you rest. And you know, and that sounds so good to the religious. But those who are heavy laden, those who are burdened down, they're like, that sounds good, but how is he going to give me rest? Because I want that. We have to have a revelation about it. But I hear, hear the revelation. I hear him say, confess your faults one to another. Oh, I'm sorry, you missed that. Confess your faults one to another. Confess your faults one <laughs> to another and pray for one another. Not just you, there are others. That's him talking. I hear him say in another place, ye which are spiritual. If a brother be overtaken in a fault, that word can also be translated as burden. Restore such a one. Oh, so now I've got heaviness, but I don't have to bear it alone. See, if I confess with somebody else, and then there's somebody else ordained to restore me when I'm broken. And, and later on, in that same book, that same chapter, it says, bear ye one another's burdens. I'm going somewhere here. See, because it's not you, just you, there are others. And he set it up where you need others. And then there's another scripture that says, and he gave some. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting. That means there's something in you that needs to be perfected. There might be something broken, and that brokenness will keep you from being perfected. But he has set up and he's established a means by which you might be restored, by which you might be able to carry that burden and make it through, by which you might be able to be perfected. He has set the provision for your rest in the confines of his house. Don't sleep on the house. Yeah, this is kind of why I want to make sure you go there. See, because this is not for everybody. Ye which are spiritual, he says, members of my house. Uh, ye which are spiritual, you know who, those who are spiritual? They are in right relationship. They are in right fellowship. And they value authority. It's there that is his house. And let me tell you, this is a special dispensation that you have been given. What do you mean by that? No, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to move forward. I can't right now. What do you mean by that? I mean, do you believe that Paul was called and ordained of God? Do you believe that he walked by the Spirit? Well, he went and he ordained elders. He ordained pastors. He ordained bishops. And you know what? You don't find this in the Old Testament. Why don't you find this in the Old Testament? Second Samuel chapter 7. Let's just know why. Because the house had not yet been built. Because it was ordained for the son to build the house. And in the times of the Old Testament, the son had not come. You don't know the dispensation you live in. See, we sleep on these things and we don't count it as valuable and they're so valuable to us. 
check this out. Check this out. It is so valuable that in the Old Testament they look forward to it. Psalm 27 says one thing. Have I desired of the Lord? That will I seek after. That I may dwell in his house. And behold the beauty of the Lord. See the beauty of the Lord is here. I'm talking about the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, what happens is we sleep on the house and that ride comes down. But the beauty of the Lord is when the rod is raised up. What we do is in the time of our pressing, for some reason we run from the church. When God says, I put the church there, that in their trouble, you might be able to run to it. Uphold that rod and you will prevail. Don't sleep on the house. But in that house, you can't take out authority. <laughs> that, that's why I like Second Samuel 7 so much. It's because he says, Nathan, I know you think you have authority, but you're delegated. So you don't have the vinyl say. So I need you to go back and correct what you said because I'm going to have the final say with David. <laughs> because the house of God is established upon his authority. And so our responsibility is to recognize authority. And how do we recognize authority? By submitting and obeying. <laughs> it's as simple as that. By submitting and Obey. Now, remember, again, we can go through so many things. Remember, the house is set up for your good. Hebrews 13 says, obey them that have the rule over you. Why? Because they watch for your souls. Oh, my goodness. Second Chronicles 20. A lot of us know the scripture. Believe in the Lord. So shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Now, that's Old Testament talk. But prophets were those who were ordained of God under his line of authority to speak to you. So, when he has his line of authority, it's always for your benefit. Believe in the Lord, be established. Believe his prophets, believe those he sends in his name to deliver to you his word. Believe his prophets. Believe those he sent. Prosper. That's the line of authority. Again, now in this time, Hebrews 1 and 1 says, God who has sundry times in a diverse manner spake in times past to our fathers by the prophets, now he speaks about the Son. Who is the Son? It's the same Son he speaks of in 2 Samuel chapter 7. That's a direct reference to 2 Samuel chapter 7. God said, I'll be his father. And he'll be my son. And he'll build me a house. Wow. Get this there. This is amazing. He said, and I know you know this. He said, if he commit iniquity, I will chase him with the rod of men. Then he says, but I will not remove my mercy from him. What is God saying? He's saying, this son of mine will have flesh. 
And we associate flesh with sin, but he didn't come from the same seed you came from. And so even though he's in this flesh, he will not sin. And my, you don't have to worry about a thing. Is that what we just said? That's the son he now speaks through. And the son is no longer with us to speak directly to us face to face. So he sent the spirit. So that not only, hallelujah, do you have his word, you have him abiding with you. And then by the spirit, he has ordained, this is what Paul was doing. He has ordained elders. He's a dang teacher. Where do you find these teachers? Where do you find these elders? I know you got a lot of those people who visit place to place, but you find them settled in the local church. Don't sleep on this house. Amen. Now, our job is to recognize authority. Remember, what I really want you to do, I just want you to value authority. I really do. I want you to value authority. See, once you value a thing in your heart, then you can keep it where it needs to be. Okay? Now, we want to make sure when we recognize authority, when we value authority, we won't violate authority. And remember, we talked about three categories of violating authority. We said there's the aggressive and open rebellion. We've talked about it here in this ministry from time to time. Cor and Dathan is a perfect example of that. You know, just aggressive, just open. I mean, brazen with it. It's just... Um, hard to imagine, but people do that. And then we said that there's that silent rebellion. You don't tell anybody, you're just not cooperating. <laughs> you hear the word, you write the notes, you say amen, uh, I know I need to. I'm speaking of those who are here on Sunday. I know I need to. I got the notes, I'm here on the Sundays, I'm here on the Wednesdays, I know I need to, but I'm not going to do a thing. <laughs> Don't tell anybody about it. And then there's this one that slips by us. Then there's omission. This is where we take our cares everywhere else but to his house. We tell our friends, just say amen for my sake. We tell some people our friends told us to talk to, but at times we keep it from the authority God has put in our life that we might prosper. And it's a hard thing to imagine. Again, for me, it, does, it really does boggle my mind. But then again, I do recognize the reason that would ever happen is because they don't value authority properly. Again, they come to church, and the church is a good place for me to say and, and tell my mama, tell my daddy I'm going to church. <laughs> Church is a good place because eventually, you know, somebody's going to die and we need somebody to officiate the funeral. Or what if one of our children get married? Yeah, but it's, it's not that. They just speak their opinion. We don't see that this is God's house. We don't see that it is his working. We don't see that this is how he's going to speak to us. This is why this is so dangerous to me, people. Because we get in our mind, we can do it on our own. We don't need the church. We don't need a pastor. We don't need any elders. We can do it on our own. Ooh, wow. This is the... Wow. We got churchgoers who say that. How do our churchgoers say that? In the time of your hardness, 
And you, and you know what I'm talking about. Again, I'm not talking about when you got a little cold. I'm talking about when, how in the world did this thing happen? How am I going to get out of this? I can't see a way. I can't see a way. And then you say, you know what? God is faithful. I'll just pray. And so you pray and say, I can handle it. Bury you one another's burdens. God says, I've set up and I've established a house through which I will give you rest. But it's in the confines of that house. I didn't know where we were going to start. Let's start at 1 Timothy chapter 5. I'm going slower than I expected to. I've got to speed it up. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Even though I like this pace. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. Again, I like this scripture. Even though a lot of people get it wrong. Paul tells Timothy, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. So people take this and they run with it. We can drink wine. No, 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 no. There's a message in this. There's a message in that Paul had to tell Timothy, you can do this. And there's a reason why you can do it. And you know what comes in my mind? I wonder how many people told him he ought to. But how many times he says, I can't. Which means, based on his understanding of what he thought he knew, Paul says, "Uh, God has a different word for you. No, no, you missed that. We're talking about Timothy. And I mean, I want to be a Timothy. Well, you know, even Timothy sometimes had some understandings that were not complete. Sometimes he was standing in faith on the wrong thing. And how is God going to correct somebody who is spiritual? Who is faithful? Who's in fellowship with him? Because we think they must always be right. God says, no, no, what he does is he listens to the authority. So when he is wrong, I can correct his thinking. Hallelujah. I'm t- Here's what happens. We will have a sickness even unto death. And we, being spiritual, think we know. And we'll just pray on it and tell everybody, no, nah, no, nah, you can't mess with my faith. I already prayed for it. But God has a word for you. God says, let me correct that. So this is one of the reasons why when people come to church, especially this church, and we tell you the truth because we give you the word of God. And the word of God is going to correct because guess what? You're not always right. And when we correct by the word of God, people are like, that's a hard church. That's a hard word. No, God was just correcting what was. He was perfecting that which was concerning me. This is Second Kings chapter 1. I don't mean to reteach this, but. It's been a while since we've been together. Second Kings chapter 1. Verse 2. And Ahaziah, the king, fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, 
Go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say unto them, Is it not? Because there's not a God in Israel that you go to inquire Baals above the God of Ekron. In other words, God says, Why'd you leave me out? Why'd you leave me out? Now, here's a word that gets me. The second word of verse 4. Now, therefore. Since you left me out, and I was standing right there. Since you left me out, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shall surely die. And Elijah departed. See, somebody said, that's a hard word. It's the truth. And that word was put there so that we might have a better understanding. That we might value authority as we ought to value authority. So, we got to this point. If you violate authority, how can I violate authority? There can be aggressive and open rebellion. There can be silent rebellion. And there can be omission. If you were to violate authority, there are after effects. There are consequences. In other words, it will cost. How will it cost? We want to get a chance to get deep into these things, but it will cost you because violating authority defiles. It defiles. Oh, I, I kind of wish we got a chance to get into that, but I'll say this about that. Again, it's an amazing thing that you can talk about a Christian and being defiled. But Jesus said, it is not that which goes into a man that defiles a man, but that which comes out of his mouth. You mean what I say? No, it's not what you say. It's where what you said came from. No, I like it where because sometimes they talk about root cause. We need to find a root cause. In other words, I see something, but I need to find the root. Because what I see has a start. And what comes out of your mouth has a start. So he says, no, it's not what comes out of your mouth necessarily. It's what's in your heart that brings forth that which comes out of your mouth. That is that which defiles a man. And so when you violate authority, there is something wrong with your heart. Moving on. It'll cost you because not only does violating authority defile, but when you violate authority... It moves you away from holding faith and holding a good conscience. And you ought to meditate on that. It moves you away from holding faith. At that point in time, trust me, you're not holding faith. All unrighteousness is sin. And it's not right to come against that which God has put in your life for your good. So you can't hold faith at that time. And don't tell me that you can go and talk left and right, up and down against the authority God has put in your life for your good and you can go to God in good conscience. It costs. It costs you, and hopefully you remember this, because when you ought to be covered, you threw off the covers. And you remember the covering, right? The covering is, I've got dunamis on my side. See, in the time when it's too heavy for me, if nothing else, dunamis is there. In the time when I don't know, if nothing else, wisdom is going to be there. See, that's the provision under the covering. <laughs> Needs being met. Protection. Peace. All that is yours as you stay under the covering. The covering was put there for that purpose. But when you violate authority, when you fail to recognize authority, you say, I don't want to dwell under that shed. God's not taking anything away from you. That therefore is not God getting the king. That therefore is because the king moved away from what God had provided for him. 
So violating authority, it does cost. It costs you, first of all. But it also costs others. Now we left off at Galatians chapter 2. I do remember this. Turn to Galatians chapter 2. And I want to remind you of something that I thought was rather interesting. Your example is powerful. Your example can mean more to God than it does to you. A lot of us think too lowly of ourselves. And what does, I, what, does what I do matter? It's only me. But God says, no, 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 your example is powerful. Oh, I'm, I, again, ah. All these scriptures start to come to mind. I, I, need to, I need to keep moving. But did not Jesus say that no man lights a candle and puts it under a bushel? But it is set in a place that it might give light to all those around. Now, if God called you light, who set you? God set you. And why did he set you? That you might be light. He wants others to see you. You can talk up and down about it. It's only me. God's like, no, it's you. So even in the times you don't recognize the importance of your example, God does. It's of great value. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. But when Peter was come to Antioch, this is Paul, saying, when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James... He did eat with the Gentiles. And let me make sure you understand this. He was eating that which was against the law for him to eat. But that's okay because he's no longer under the law. He has liberty and grace. So he was enjoying the liberty. But when certain came, let's keep reading. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Ah, oh, wow. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, I really want you to see verse 14. I said unto Peter before them all, if you, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? And now, I'm not going to go through that because y'all almost choked when I started to teach that. I saw it. Like, oh, this brother, you better stop. Because <laughs> when I get on doctrine, I like to get there. Because we need to get these things in here. But you need to understand the liberty that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not under the law. Not that we can violate the law because the law is good. But he was talking about ordinances of the law. And he's been freed from the ordinances of the law. He now trusts in Christ. Will you trust in Christ? Yes, sometimes you get it wrong, but your trust is not in your acts. Your trust is in the grace provided by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you can get up again and move forward. That's why you can press. Because no one can bind you. No one can restrict you because of an act. Because the law said if you committed this act, you're done. But the liberty in Christ says, I'm not done with you yet. Get up and walk forward. Get up and move forward. So, what Paul was upset about is, look at your example. 
And he said, because of your example, I can't treat this lightly. He says, I'm going to tell you before them all. Amen. Ah, hallelujah. Glory to your name. Church discipline gets people wrinkled. Hey, hallelujah. Glory to your name. Because I can hear it right now. You know, you know Paul could have pulled him to the side. You know he could have pulled him to the office. He didn't have to do that in front of everybody. God recognizes the value of your example even if you do not. What gets me about his example is that his example is so powerful, Paul's ministry partner Barnabas followed after his example. The same one who ministered to the liberty of the Lord Jesus Christ with Paul could be so influenced by an example. So, we ask the question, why do you have to do it before all? I said, number one, it's because somebody witnessed that. Why so hard? Because somebody witnessed that. Somebody saw that. Now, now let me tell you this. I shouldn't have said saw because sometimes witnesses don't necessarily see the very act, but they see the residue. You know, when you look at this and you look up witnesses, legal witnesses, you know, some witnesses aren't admissible. But because they're not admissible in a court of law, it doesn't mean that they weren't accurate. <laughs> doesn't mean they were off base. And we're not talking about a court of law here. Some just witness, you know what, they never acted like that before, but I could see their attitude afterwards. There was a demarcation line. Their attitude, you know, their attitude was so pleasant, but now something's wrong with it, you, you, you know. Somebody witnessed that. They may not have been eyewitnesses, but they saw oh, something changed after that. You know, and they witnessed you staying away from certain people. They witnessed you avoiding people. They witnessed the change of your expression when certain people get around. You know, the first people who witnessed this, those of your own household. You know, children are so smart. Children are so, so smart, even when they don't intend to be. They're just naturally smart. And they know, Daddy's got an attitude. Mama don't like. Now, they weren't there when you said, <laughs> but they're witnesses that may not be of the eyewitness kind. So, rebuking has to be done because somebody witnessed that. We said, why before all? Because we need to make the record clear. Why did Paul rebuke Peter before them all? Because what he did was wrong. And he wanted to make sure that they knew it was wrong. Somebody witnessed it and they need to know, no, no, that's wrong. We looked at, I believe for this, we looked at Gideon. And Gideon's a, a great example because what happens is we act a certain way around the brethren and then we get home, that's when the children witness things. And there are confusing messages there. What gets me about Gideon is Gideon talks about when he's approached by the angel of God. He says, where is this God that our fathers told us of? And his next encounter is with an idol that his father had. 
So we need to make the record clear. The idol, wrong. (laughs) So not only do we do this before all, because somebody witnessed that, because we need to make the record clear, but we need to counter the bad example. So God tells Gideon, okay, you see that idol your father has? Tear it down, because it's wrong. And establish an altar unto me, because that's right. So not only must wrong appear wrong, but right must be made plain as well. (laughs) Again, you can read through it because Paul makes it, well, he breaks it down as he breaks it down. He says, it's wrong what you did, and here's right. So we've got to do this before all. Why before all? To make the record clear. I'm sorry, because somebody witnessed that. We want to make the record clear. We want to counter the bad example. And number four, that others may fear. You're in Galatians 2. Galatians 3 gets me. Because he gets through this example and says, Oh, foolish Galatians. See, because they were doing something they ought not do. Who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? You hear, hear what he's saying? What he's saying when he says, Who bewitched you? He's saying, Who put an evil spell on you? To compel you, to convince you to move away from a righteous position to an unrighteous position. So he uses Peter as an example because Barnabas had a right position. And then behind an example, he moved to a wrong position. He called that bewitched. Some of your examples are bewitching people. And if they are bewitched, if nothing else, let them fear. Oh, you missed that, did you? Let them fear. If for no other, you know, foolishness is bound in a child's heart, but the rod of correction puts fear in it so that they won't do it until they get out of your house. Some people act fools outside of the church, but let them get in the presence of a pastor. If nothing else, they might be bewitched, but for fear's sake, they'll keep it under guard. This is a powerful lesson in reverence. (laughs) I like it. If nothing else, we'll get to it. And number five. Why was this before all? Why so harsh with dealing with a wrong example? Don't forget what we're talking about, violating authority. We're talking about your example of violating authority. If you were to give an example of violating authority, somebody's going to witness it. Somebody's going to witness it. And you could have an influence like Peter had and pull righteous people away from a righteous position. Number five. This is, this is important. Number five. Why before all? Why so harsh with confronting? Because when it comes to your example... This is a declaration that you walking in truth is more important than your pride. Did you hear me? Let me say it again. Why before all as a declaration that you walking in truth is more important than your pride. Peter is a preacher of righteousness. 
And as far as his pride goes, who cares? If the cost of your pride is people walking away, forget your pride. Your walking in truth is more valuable, is more important than your pride. Let me tell you, this is how you enter into the kingdom, if nothing else. I never forget this. I, I never forget, actually, uh, a friend of ours, I say of ours, I'm thinking uh, Minister Eberhardt, back in college, I never forget when he made the statement to me. He said, I ain't going to hell for nobody. I went, I went up to the front. See, I know where he's talking about. He's talking about the Baptist church. Right, you go up to the front, and that's a hit on some people's pride. I thought you were walking. I, I ain't going to hell for nobody. I like that. Because me walking in truth is more important than what you think of me. Glory to God. I'm telling you, this, this is righteousness teaching. It's where we need to be. See, you've got to recognize. See, here's what happens in the church. We're not talking about church discipline, even though we are talking about church discipline. Sometimes in church discipline, it seems a little harsh, but somebody witnessed. We need to make the record clear. We need to counter that bad example. <laughs> we need to make sure others fear. I'm telling you, I've seen some things. I tell you, I have seen someone who's supposed to be a preacher bring in a mistress. Not in this ministry. But I also saw them have to apologize before a congregation. And I don't know if they were tears because they got caught or tears of godly sorrow. It didn't matter. Others feared. <laughs> Your example is of great value. Turn to Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16. Wow. Don't worry, we're not going to read all of this. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm not going to I'm only looking at the end of the of the of the chapter, trust me. Well, close to the end. Maybe midway. All right, how about that? We're going to start at verse 31. How do I, how do I lead this? How do I lead you into this? At verse 31. Verse 31 is not the greatest place to drop in in the middle of this. But this is the episode of Kor and Dathan and their aggressive and their open rebellion. And if I could put it in layman's terms, Moses is in the middle of saying, God's going to get you. Really, he's saying God. He's saying it this way: It's either me or you. All right. If God don't get you, I ain't who God sent. He says it more eloquently, but that's what he's saying. So look at this in verse thirty-one. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking, God's gonna get you. All these words that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth. And swallow them up. Don't you like how that just paints a picture for you? Earth in the mouth. Earth had been. But Moses, the guy going to get you. Earth says, let me, let me talk. And the earth opened her mouth. And swallowed them up. And their houses. And all the men that appertain to Korah. And all their goods. You better watch the company you keep. They and all that appertained to them went down. Not dead. They went down a lot. 
into the pit. And the earth shut its mouth upon them. And they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them. For they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. I wonder how many among them were in the meetings with them. <laughs> I wonder how many had godly wives said, you fool, get yourself away from this. I never did like her anyway. I knew something was wrong with them. They were here from God. <laughs> I bet you they were kissing and washing their wives' feet that night. Oh my good, you, honey, I'm so thankful, so grateful for you. I mean, this is a statement of all statements. And others may have had it in their mind, but they're like, you know what? Uh, if for no, no other reason, a statement was made. <laughs> because all of them witnessed that aggressive and that open rebellion. And again, Moses said, either I am or I ain't. If I am, watch God get you. So the record was made clear. Wrong was made wrong. The bad example was countered. Because, in all honesty, the word of Moses came to pass. As a declaration from God. No, he's right. Y'all are wrong. This is a before all moment. <laughs> this is a before all moment. Now, now, I will tell you this. I'm not telling you that God is going to have the earth open up and swallow you up. This, this was, if, if you could imagine... They came against Christ when, when they stood against Moses and against Aaron. They actually came against Christ. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. What I'm saying is that your example is recognized by God as the valuable example that it is. And God doesn't play with examples. So, if nothing else, if you're a witness there, what do you think you'd do? You think you'd get in line, wouldn't you? I don't need another example. I'm going to teach my children. I'm going to make sure my children's children. You would think so, right? Verse 41. You know, some people can't see the forest because there are too many trees. Verse 41. But on the morrow, we're not even talking about weeks. We're not talking about months. On the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. Now, I, 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 this gets me, and we'll keep reading, but this gets me because I really don't see, again, my imagination runs wild, okay? Y'all know me. Sometimes my imagination runs wild. But I can just see Moses and Aaron getting up. Oh, the people want to talk. They're probably going to repent. And they say, you have killed the people of God. And I can just imagine Moses and Aaron, just, their mouth just wide open, their eyes get big. And they must be thinking, you people are crazy. How is it that we are going to cause the earth to open her mouth, swallow everything up that pertains to them, and it is us who have done this thing? I believe that they were dumbfounded. I believe if they had words, they lost them. I mean, you people are crazy. You've had this example that God has given you. And for no other reason, get this. You know, I, 
I'm sorry. I do like Batman and stuff like that. In one of the movies, I do remember distinctly, somebody says, I'm going to tell that it's Bruce Wayne. He said, now you think this man goes around at night killing people and you want to go tell it on him. Go ahead. That doesn't make much sense. But go ahead. You're going to somehow come out scot-free and clean. So if Moses and Aaron did kill him by that way, what would they do to them? But it wasn't Moses. And it wasn't Aaron. And that was what the whole episode was about. And people still didn't get it. You know, here's the thing about us. We don't change over time. People still have this kind of nature. People still have this kind of attitude. How soon we forget. On the morrow. Wow. And they... Again, these things are the same on my mind. Didn't they get their penny? Weren't they working hard and laboring hard in Egypt? Weren't they the ones who were crying out before God, make me free. Release me from these burdens. Release me from this bondage. Didn't they see God open up the sea? Didn't they see Pharaoh and his army try to walk on that same dry ground and get drowned? And we laugh at them. But we come in here tattered, torn, bruised. And then God touches us. We came in here one way, and now our head is held up high. Our knees are straightened. We don't walk with a crooked back anymore. Marriages were out of order. Now they're back in order. Children were running wild, but now they're back in order. And then something happens and said they were wrong for that. And they stopped valuing authority somewhere along the line. On the morrow, you have killed the people of the Lord. You've done them wrong. You missed the lesson. But don't y'all miss it. Know this. This is God's doing. And not men. And I'm not just talking about the episode of Kor and Dathan. I'm talking about God's house and what goes on here. This is God's doing. It is not men's. Verse 41 again. On the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. And it came to pass, when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation. And behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. (laughs) And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. Again, I'm sorry, I just see this as an episode in my, my head. I can believe they're in the middle of being dumbfounded, and all of a sudden there's the glory. All the people are complaining, and they look, and there's the glory of the Lord. And Moses and Aaron looking like, oh, here we go. Here we go. So verse 43, and Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. But here's authority. And they fell upon their faces. They fell upon their faces. This this amazes me. Again, you need to go back and read all of Numbers chapter 16. But when the initial rebellion came up, what did they do? 
They're like, no, 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 don't do this. They fell on their faces and they pleaded with them, no, 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 God has been so good to you, don't do this. And here, they refused to repent. They were swallowed up. Then the rest of the congregation somehow loses their mind and they come up and they want, you know, at some point you're thinking, Moses and Aaron, just aren't you through with them? But this is the heart. This is why God puts authority there. This is the heart God has for you. This is an example so that we might know the heart of the authority. We need to value authority. In God's house. Amen. In God's house. That's why I want to make sure you understand what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about America. The American way. I'm not even talking about your home. Because we don't necessarily run our home as we ought to. But God's going to keep his house in order. This is why I'm not worried about false teachers. I hate them. Oh, I hate them. You don't understand. I hate them with a passion. Because they mislead people. But I know God has something in store. He's going to set things right. He's going to have order in his house. He's going to stop mouths that should have been stopped in our mind a long time ago. He's going to do it in a fashion where there is no question. But his authority, the ones that he's delegated, they have a heart for you. They truly watch for your soul. Your prosperity is through them. That's why God put them there. He says, I will give you pastors according to my own heart. And here's the heart of God. I know my thoughts toward you. Of good and not of evil. To bring you to an expected end. God, I love that end. Because I'm not there yet. Hallelujah. Because I'm not there yet. I like how Paul put it. Not as though I had attained... But I know my God is good. And I know He's faithful. I know He has thoughts toward me of an expected end. So what I need to do is I just need to settle down. I need to humble myself under His mighty hand and let Him bring me to that end. How's He going to do that? He set it up in the confines of His house. Verse 45 again. 44. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer, and put fire therein from off the altar, and put on incense, and go quickly unto the congregation, and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. Oh my goodness. There's a, there is a definition we got of wrath. Many years back, that I hold on to. Wrath is the permanent attitude of a holy and a righteous God towards sin. It's a permanent attitude. But Moses, oh wow, what a revelation. He knew what could appease the wrath. So I tell people, you know, I, I say it. I know people think that it's our prayers that are the incense. If there's no Jesus, there's no good smell. This is why you have to be in fellowship. Because you can offer up prayers and be out of fellowship and it stinks. Because our fellowship is not with one another, even though it is. Our fellowship first is with the Father and with the Son. And then with one another. 
And because He loves you, He has sent forth Christ that there might be a sweet smell over the cover of your rebellion. What a God. What a God. See, we were the rebellious. We were those who woke up in the morning and said, you killed the people of God. We had incurred God's wrath. But there's an incense that went before the nostrils of our God. Not unto us. Not unto us, but unto our Lord. Unto our Savior be all glory. This is why if you get a crown, cast it down. <laughs> there is no crown without the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the house that he's built. And he has established authority. There's a line of authority that we need to value. So, if we have at all violated authority, we should repent. And if we have it, we should stay sober. And let me tell you this about omission. I know when I mention omission, a lot of people, oh, who would ever do I wouldn't do this. And all honesty, the reason why I'm teaching this is so that you don't do that. And there's no temptation taking us except that which is common to man. I've seen it too often. I've seen it too often. People you would think would run to authority, omit them in the time of their crisis. Can I give you one last scripture? Psalm 81. Psalm 81. This is one of those other scriptures that just stay in my heart. Psalm 81. Let's start at verse 10. I just want to read a few verses. Psalm 81, verse 10. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice. Now, now do you get that? I've been trying to get this over to you time and time again. How does God speak to you? Through the line of authority. So when he talks about his voice, he speaks to you through this line of authority in his house. He says, but my people would not hearken to my voice. They disdain the authority in my house. And Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust. And they walked in their own counsels. Remember, we, we talked about this. When we omit godly authority... We lean to our own understanding. We walk after our own counsels. So I gave them up into their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Here's the heart of God. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. Do you see that? God says, I want to bless you. I want to take care of you. I want to give you rest. But you've got to value my voice. You've got to value my word. In other words, trust me. We come into the house and they're not on our subject. Or so we think. But sometimes you just got to trust God. And when you trust God, at the end, you know what you'll find out? He is God. 
he's faithful. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.